Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good morning. Cool. All right. As Guy mentioned, my name is Gregory Hyde. I am on our transition leadership team here at the church. And this, uh, I'll move this real quick, sorry. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series on our relationship with Jesus. Um, and last week, Tony Stopper spoke to us and did an excellent job of looking to see what the Bible tells us about our relationship with God. We saw how God seeks relationships with his people all throughout scripture. Uh, we also saw how we begin our relationship with Jesus by admitting our need for him, admitting our sin, and realizing we need a savior, and accepting what he's offering us to obtain salvation. And then Tony gave some really great practical steps on how to develop that relationship with Jesus by spending time having face-to-face -face time with God, reading our Bible, worshiping, praying. And he also encouraged us not to allow shame to be used to keep us from God, to make us feel like we're, we're not able to approach God and build that relationship or restore it. So really good stuff. I highly encourage you to check out that podcast, which currently does not exist. Um, <laughs> because we've, we've been a little bit behind recently, but uh, we will get those uploaded to the website eventually. Uh, there are still some, some, uh, some sermons that are up on the website. If you go to AntiochWheaton.com and under the sermons tab. But this week, I want to focus in on our relationship with Jesus and specifically how we view that relationship. Just saying that I have a relationship with somebody doesn't necessarily give you a lot of information about what that relationship is like, right? I can have a relationship with my coworker or my classmate or my wife, but it can be very different from what people might think if I just say, I have a relationship with that person. I can have a really good relationship with my wife, or I can have a really bad relationship with my wife, right? I can have a chummy, bro-level, awesome relationship with my landlord, or we can have a really strained, tumultuous, passive-aggressive, not fun relationship. Uh, duh, Gregory. So we get that. That's probably why most of the time when people are talking about their relationship with God or their relationship with Jesus, they talk about it as their friendship with Jesus, right? Because a friendship kind of lets us know a little bit more what that relationship is like. Though friendships look a little bit different from one to the next, and they can have their ups and downs and whatnot, a friendship lets us know that this is a good relationship, that we're friendly with each other, we're on good terms, we like each other, we're on the same team. Well, there are, I'm convinced, in this room, people who feel like Jesus is your friend. And every time I say that, I think of that YouTube video of the Jesus is my friend. You know, it's, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you got to look that thing up. It's, it's hysterical. Um, I, I think it's like Sun Seekers or something like that is the name of the band. Um, but it's, it's, it's good stuff. Anyway, so there are people in this room who feel that way. They feel like Jesus really is their best friend. He's their closest friend. And that is awesome. That is a really great thing. I'm also pretty sure there are some people in this room who feel like they don't quite get that. They're like, hmm, friend with Jesus. I don't know that I would describe it that way. And I'm not just talking about people who maybe you haven't accepted Christ yet. Maybe you're not yet somebody that you would consider yourself to be a Christian or a Christ follower. And we'll address that a little bit later. But maybe you're here and you are saved. 
Like you've surrendered your life to Christ. You believe he is the son of God. He came to earth. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. And he offers you eternal life. And you've accepted that. And you live your life to follow him. But yet, you don't feel like you've got this chummy, Jesus is my homeboy sort of relationship. (laughs) Well, I get that. Because, man, I have struggled with that most of my life. Honestly. I felt like I was a second-class Christian a lot of times for not feeling that way, being kind of self-conscious about it. And, I mean, God is so complex and multifaceted, which makes sense. If you think there's an all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal being that created everything, it makes sense that you can kind of see him from a lot of different angles. But I felt like I could relate to him in some of those other ways. So, in the Bible... He's referred to as our master. We are his servants. He's our master. I felt like I can relate to that. I'm cool on that one. He says what to do, and I go do it. Game on. He's also referred to as our father. And I felt like I can kind of get behind that one because, you know, the, the environment I grew up in, I've got a good dad. I had a really loving father. And I respected him a lot. And so it was easy to kind of have this view of having respect for God and viewing him and in a lot of the same ways as the relationship I have with my dad. I also could relate to him as king. So yeah, he's my king. It's the kingdom of God. And I'm glad he's my king. I'm glad I'm in the kingdom. I'm glad I'm on the right side of eternity. This is cool. He makes the rules. He's really smart. He's smarter than me. I'm down with this. So sonship. Yeah. Kingship. Yes. Lordship. Pretty cool, but friendship, how do I do that? What do I do to be friends with Jesus? Because I'm just not feeling it inside. Is it something that I can do, or is it something that he does, or is it something that my feelings probably shouldn't dictate? Well, I've had several friends Uh, over the course of my life, who would describe their really deep emotional friendships with Jesus. And and I really envied it a lot. One friend of mine, his name was Caleb, and he would discuss it uh, like this. He would say, I always imagine Jesus as like like a buddy of mine from college. (laughs) And, And I sit down at my desk in my apartment, and I crack my Bible open, and it's like Jesus is my buddy who came over to hang out with me, and he sits down, and he flips his ball cap around backwards, and he's like, all right, Let's dig into the Bible and get your life worked out. And we're going to work on this together. And so there was one part of me that kind of thought, this is a little bit like that comedy that came out a few years ago where they're all discussing their version of Jesus and like the Jesus they like to pray to. And one guy, one character is like, I only like to pray to baby Jesus. And so he's like, I prayed a little eight pound, three ounce baby Jesus watching his baby Einstein videos and learning about colors and shapes. there's another guy who says yeah I like to picture Jesus as a figure skater and he wears like a white outfit and he does interpretive dances on my life's journey (laughs) gets pretty ridiculous from there another guy I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings and he's singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band and I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk (laughs) now It's a ridiculous movie, but there's kind of a point that we can pull out of that. 
Because we don't want to be like that, you know? We want to know the real Jesus. So, I mean, as ridiculous as that was, I did kind of envy that about my friend, that he had that sort of connection that he felt. But again, I wrestled with that balance of, how do I make sure that I'm not just creating this image in my mind that is what I want Jesus to be, but I'm not actually knowing the real Jesus? I don't want to make a mental idol. I mentioned my dad a little bit earlier. He's a real guy. He's in Tulsa right now. (laughs) You could drive or fly to Tulsa and meet Don Hyde. He's a really cool guy. You'd probably like him a lot. And if we met up later and you were like, I met your dad. Cool. He's a nice guy. I'd say, yes, he is. You'd say, I hung out with him for a while. He's a really hard worker. I would say, yes, he is. That's like, that dude's work ethic is just off the charts. You'd say, man, he really loves reading his Bible. I'd say, you're right. He reads his Bible a lot. Every morning he wakes up and he spends a lot of time reading his Bible. You'd say, it's too bad he's a Nazi. No. (laughs) You don't know my dad. (laughs) So you, you either met somebody else or you have a very, very warped perception of what my dad's like. We don't want to do that with Jesus. That's an extreme example, obviously. But we want to make sure that the Jesus we are connecting with is really him and not just, you know, kind of like a fabrication. So we want that authentic relationship. We want that authentic friendship. Well, the way we can know that we are relating to the one true Jesus, and we're not getting off track of what we want him to be like, but what he's really like, is by spending one-on-one FaceTime with God, just like Tony mentioned last week. And a big part of that is spending time reading the Bible and comparing our image of God to what we see in Scripture. We have to spend time in the Word to know how to be a friend to God. Uh, The first verse we're going to look at is John 15, John 15, 10. Uh, We're going to be spending a little bit of time there later as well in the, the verses after that one. But in John 15, 10, it says, Those who keep my commandments abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Obviously, Jesus and God have a really good relationship. Now, those who keep my commandments, that means the people who obey what I've said to do, abide in my love. I don't think this means that obedience is what makes you Jesus's friend. I think rather, I mean, that gives the impression that it's like earned by us, and that's not the case. Rather, I think it describes what Jesus's friends do. They obey him. And I know that some people feel like preaching obedience kind of equates to countering the message of grace. And we certainly, totally, 100%, saved by grace. But following the teachings of Christ is something that comes along with being a Christ follower. It's something that comes along with Christianity. And obeying Jesus is never legalism. It may be challenging. It might be really difficult. But we follow Christ. And we can't honestly say that we're doing that if we're ignoring his words and overruling it with the behavior that we would prefer. Back to FaceTime. That's how we really, how we develop our relationships with everybody, right? We spend time with them. We spend quality time with them. We find out about them, about their past, about their history. We find out about their desires, and we share experiences with them. 
So it's no different with people or with God, how we build that relationship. But it can't just be checking a box. You might have heard that phrase before when we talk about our time with God. Not just checking a box, but actually encountering him, encountering God in those moments. And so we can relate this to like a normal relationship or friendship that we have here on earth with other people. So think about, imagine if, if I wake up and I go downstairs and my wife is there. And my intention is to hang out with my wife in the morning. But I've got my phone with me. And I never look up from my phone. I'm totally distracted. And I'm just like, hey, good morning, honey. How's it going? It's good to see you. Give her a peck on the cheek just to, you know, <laughs> do something physical. And then I'm, you know, texting other people or playing Farmville or whatever. <laughs> and then I decide, well, well, I want to I wanna let her know how much I care about her. So I'm just going to read through my wedding vows. But I just kind of mumble through them, like, you know. I uh, love you forever and sickness and in health and, you know, till death do us part and all that stuff. And then I'm like, well, I should do a little bit more. Well, I wrote a song for her for our wedding and talks about how much I love her and how important she is. And she's the most important person on the planet to me. And so I want to play that in the background. So I'm going to play that wedding song while I'm still, you know, swiping around through Snapchat. All right, cool. Now I go on with my day. I spent time with my wife this morning. Have we deepened our relationship? No. <laughs> there you go. In fact, she might feel like our relationship just got worse. <laughs> because there was no intentionality there. There was no real connection happening. I was just going through some motions. Now, keep in mind, those things that I did, like reciting my wedding vows, like restating my affection for her and my dedication to her, that's a great thing. Playing this song that I wrote that talks about my love for her, that's a great thing. But if we're not actually connecting, it's practically a waste of time. So we can't make that mistake with God. Just checking boxes, whether it's prayer or reading the Bible or listening to worship songs or singing worship songs, those are all great things. But the point of them is to connect with God. Not just to do them and say, yeah, I spent time with God this morning. I just honestly am challenged with that a lot. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to break through that and feel like today I actually didn't just, just read some scriptures and go, yeah, okay, all right, cool. On to my day. But actually stopping and saying, did I really encounter Jesus this morning? So we have to spend quality time with him. We have to spend quality time with any friends to build strong relationships and strong friendships. We just spend that time with God in different ways than we do with people. Because it's going to be kind of weird if you decide to go do a day of mini golf or indoor skydiving with God. If you want to, you know, go indoor skydiving with Jesus, I'm not saying that you won't have fun. It's just you're not going to get as much out of it. We, we build our relationship with him in different ways. Like we mentioned, like, like Tony mentioned last week, uh, in worship, in reading the Bible, in prayer times. Well, I wondered in the past about how to feel like Jesus was my friend. And another question that I struggled with was, does Jesus even want to be my friend? And if he did, how would I know that? Because I've heard people talk about it before. And, I mean, if you look in the Bible about the first time that Peter shares the gospel with, with the Jews who are around the area, it's not like this, you know, Jesus wants to be your friend and he loves you and he's got a plan for your life. It's... It's pretty much like, you guys killed the king of the universe. 
and uh, he's the king over everything. And if you want to get on the right side of eternity, time to sign up. You know, <laughs> it's it's kind of different. So I was like, all right, well, are there are there other passages in the Bible that talk about this? There are, by the way. I'm I'm giving away the ending, but yes, there are, and we'll get to those. But thinking, how do I become friends with God? How would I do that? Well. The time old phrase that your mom might have told you on your way to kindergarten, that in order to make friends, you have to be friendly. That's true. That holds a lot of truth. You start acting friendly towards other first, and then you build friends. So how do you start being a friend to Jesus? Well, you don't, because Jesus actually beat you to the punch. He initiated friendship with us way before we ever thought of befriending him. If you look at Romans 5.10, It says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? So let's dig into this. If we were enemies, we were, it says we were enemies, not because God deemed us as enemies, not because he created us to be his enemies, but because we made ourselves enemies by choosing sin and separating ourselves from him. But. Now that we are reconciled, if you're saved, you're reconciled. If you look up the word reconciled, the first definition that comes up is to restore friendly relations between. So that means we started as friendly with God because he made us to be his friends. We chose to sin, which separated us from God, and we became his enemies. And now, because of Jesus, we are reconciled, friendly again. So if we were enemies... That means we aren't anymore. We are friends of God. Why? Because God made it so by what Jesus did through his death on the cross. We are friends with Jesus because he made us his friends. He chose to be our friend. Something else that friends do besides days of mini golf and indoor skydiving, which I've never done, by the way. So if anybody wants to pay my way to do indoor skydiving, I'll be your friend. Friends have really hard conversations. They have talks that aren't easy. Why? Because they genuinely care about each other. They seek what's best for the other person. If I know you're hurting yourself or hurting your loved ones with how you deal with people, or if I know you've got some self-destructive behavior and I never acknowledge it, we can do indoor skydiving all day, but we're not really friends. We're just fellow indoor vertical wind tunnel enthusiasts. <laughs> we have to be open for Jesus to point out the areas where we need to grow. We have to be willing for him to put his finger on things we're attached to and have him ask us to let it go. Whether that's through things we read in scripture or things that are revealed to us through the Holy Spirit when we're in prayer times. We have to be willing for him to speak to us through other people in the body of Christ to help us grow more like him. And this goes both ways, too. As we saw last week, all through the Bible, God interacted with his people, even when they were going through heartache and loss. Expressing your hurts and your letdowns to God is okay. And in fact, it's encouraged. You can tell God how you feel, even when you don't feel great. Yes, he already knows everything, but there's an intimacy that gets built when we turn to him in those times and we learn to trust him. We learn to be open with him. We learn to rely on him. 
The Psalms, the book of Psalms in the Bible, is overflowing with passages just like that. Thanking God and celebrating him in triumph and reveling in God's presence. And also crying out in anguish and in pain and loss when David's not understanding what God's doing. And let me just say, there is a respectful way to do that. (laughs) There's a big difference between, in the Bible, David doing something like that where he's pouring out his heart and he's just letting God know where he's at but yet still remaining respectful, still remaining faithful. There's a difference between that approach and then the approach of the children of Israel in Exodus when they're out in the desert. And their version, I mean, they're crying out and sharing their hearts, but essentially they're saying, God, you suck because you brought us here. And this is awful. This is all your fault. Bad way to do it. So God dealt with both of those people in very different ways. Um, So we want to be like David in that regard. Respectful. Because respect is key in friendships. The disciple John, uh, Tony mentioned him a little bit last week too, even though he was described in the Bible as the disciple that Jesus loved, self-described as that, but it stayed in the Bible, so obviously God didn't disagree. We're told of how he was so close to Jesus, super close friends. Uh, During the Last Supper, it's described that he had his head laid on Jesus' shoulder, These guys were really close. Yet, John tells in Revelation 1.17, John saw Jesus in all his glory, and he did not pal around with him. He didn't slap him a high five. He didn't even give him a hug. He bit the dust, went to his face in reverence and in honor. I don't think anybody could say, well, if John knew Jesus better, he would realize that wasn't necessary. If he was better friends with Jesus, he could have just gotten up and hugged him. No, it's a complex relationship. Yes, he is our best friend, but he's also the all-powerful, perfectly holy ruler of all creation. And that deserves a great deal of respect. It's, it's an interesting balancing act that happens there. But another thing about strong friendships is that they've been tested. I didn't understand that earlier in life. True friendships can withstand a lot. Well, I had a friend, a really close friend, my best friend in high school. And man, we were like inseparable. We loved the same kinds of music. We went to all the same concerts together. We went to all the football games in high school together, just constantly hanging around. Uh, liked all the same movies and media and all that stuff. Uh, when, uh, when we went to junior prom together, we both took our dates together as a big double date thing. The next year for senior prom, neither of us had dates, so we crashed our senior prom just wearing jeans and t-shirts and actually got our picture in the yearbook for that stunt. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we had a lot of good times. Well, one time, my dad actually asked me, he was like, so just tell me, why is this guy such a good friend? I'm like, why are you guys so close? I said, because we agree on everything. You know, We never have arguments. Totally see eye to eye on everything. And my dad said, shockingly to me at the time, sounds like a pretty shallow friendship. <laughs> I was like, how dare you talk about my friend like that? Me and this guy are going to be friends for the rest of my life. Oddly enough, the very first real issue that came up, I to this day don't even know exactly what happened. He split. And despite attempts to reconcile, I have not talked to that guy in over 10 years. It's easy for us to feel friendship with Jesus when things are going great. 
we need to be able to press into that friendship and have those hard conversations in hard moments. When we don't know how we're going to be able to take another step, when we don't feel like he's doing anything that we can see or feel, man, we have to talk to him. We have to go to him in prayer. We have to look to see what the Bible says about other people who have been in this situation and press into that friendship. That's what friends do. We have to rely on him, trusting in him that he is good no matter what our circumstances might look like right now. Going through those storms with him together. Man, that is when friendships are really deepen. Coming out on the other, other side of something that was really, really hard. Man, there's a bond that gets built. Let's go back to John 15. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We've all probably heard that one before. Let's keep reading. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Kind of a recurring statement here from Jesus, right? John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father... I have made known to you. And yes, he is talking to us as well, not just his disciples there, because this stated in the Bible, and this was like God's letter to us, his followers, his people. All the things that he told the disciples, we have records of. This was communicated to us as well. So what does this say about friends of Jesus? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Friends of Jesus love one another sacrificially. You're my friends if you do what I command you. Friends of Jesus, listen to his words and obey his commandments. Friends of Jesus have a close relationship with him where he is telling us all we need to know. And we're chosen to bring his kingdom to earth by sharing his love and making disciples. I want to give a quick illustration here. Again, I, you know, I struggled with this whole feeling like Jesus is my friend sort of situation for a long time. And then there was one minister who I heard him give this analogy and it really opened my mind to seeing it in, I think, a more accurate way. So I'm going to share it now. So imagine, if you will, you start work at a new company and it's a big, huge, multinational global company, enormous. And your first day on the job, you walk in and you've got your own office And the guy who runs the whole thing comes to your office. And he's done like background work on you. Not like stalkery Facebook stuff, but like (laughs) genuine, he's interested in you. He knows about your life. He's like, man, I'm so glad you're here. This is going to like take things to a whole new level. I'm so happy you're here. And he's like genuine about it. Then he invites you out to lunch. We're going to go out to lunch and you get the whole VIP treatment, like Riding this really nice car, you get the best meal you've ever had in your life. And while you're having lunch, he's saying, you know what? I want to invite you into the process. I want to like share all the details that you need to know about the company with you. And like I'm gonna open up, you know, you're gonna kind of see behind the veil, if you will. Wow, this is huge. And then he's asking you about your personal life. Tell me about, you know, how are things with your family? How are things with your kids? What's going on? Oh well, you know, all these things are great, but I've actually got, you know, this. My grandmother, she's really struggling with her health, and we don't know how we're going to pay these medical bills. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take care of that one. That one's on me. Like, just don't even worry about it. You don't have to worry about your insurance plan. Like, I got it covered. Wow, that's incredible. It's like, okay. And then when you get back to the office, he's like, here, on top of that, here's some company credit cards. Like, you can do whatever you want to in the name of the company. Here you go. 
Wow. <laughs> Don't read too far into this analogy. I'm not like going prosperity gospel on you, but you know, follow me. So, <laughs> so you go home that night, and your wife says, "How was your first day? It was amazing. Really cool. Did you meet the guy who runs the company? Yes. Is he nice? Yes. Are you guys friends? Yes. Why? Because he made me his friend. Okay. Next day, you go back to work. You have a lapse in judgment. I'm you're like, I would never do that. But just follow me for the for the sake of the analogy. You would decide to embezzle a bunch of money from the company. You take these credit cards and you just rack them up and you're buying like a Porsche and everything you want. And it gets found out. And your new boss comes to you and he says, Man, I'm disappointed. It's highly illegal. But I tell you what, I'm going to take the rap for it. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to go in and I'm going to pay your price for that. And I'm going to go to jail. And you get to go home with your wife and kids. Now you go back home at the end of the day. And your wife says, so are you guys friends? You and this guy? That is the best friend you could ever possibly hope to have. Ever. And it has nothing to do with what you did. He's your best friend because he made himself your best friend. You don't need to have this emotional, I feel like Jesus is my best friend. You can boldly say, Jesus is my best friend, no matter how I feel. Because what he did for me. Amen. We are friends with Jesus because he chose to be our friend. It's not about working harder to develop our relationship. We should work hard. I mean, we should put time and intentionality into it. But it's, it's not, the weight of it is not on us. It's about surrender. It's about showing up and just having this relationship. In Genesis 15, we, we don't need to turn there. It's, it's a long chapter. I'm going to give a, a little paraphrase of what happens in there. The Bible tells a story about God making a covenant, a lasting deal, with Abraham. In this chapter, it talks about how God had Abraham to to make this deal, which the deal was, God was saying, I'm going to bless the entire world through you. I'm going to save the entire world through you, because Jesus was going to come from the line of Abraham. So that was going to be the deal, if Abraham could hold up his end of the bargain and be faithful to God. So God had Abraham split some animals in half and lay them down on the ground. For all of you animal lovers, I know this is kind of hard. Bear with me. It makes sense. <laughs> it's kind of gruesome, but there's a point. Well, back then they didn't have like paper contracts. This is a little sidebar. Um, I mean, these days it's like, well, yeah, we're going to go into business together. I'm going to sign this contract. And then if things don't work out down the road, I can just like go the legal route and kind of sue you, and then you'll feel like, well, I don't want to go through that whole you know, years-long legal battle, so rather than put up with that, fine, I'll just give you what you want. Um, that's kind of, business gets done a little bit too much like that these days. We need to be people of our word. Back then, they didn't have that. So what they would do is they'd split these animals in half, and then both parties would walk through it and say, if I break this deal, may this be done to me. That's what that meant. If I back out of this, destroy me. Their word meant a lot. <laughs> so that's what's going on right here. So God and Abraham are about to do this. 
And then it says Abraham fell into a deep sleep. It implies God put Abraham into this deep sleep. And then God walks through this, and Abraham wakes up, and the deal's done. Abraham didn't have to. Why? Because God knew he's human. He's not going to be able to hold up his end of the bargain. The weight of that covenant was on God, not Abraham. The weight of our relationship with Jesus is on him. The weight of our salvation is on Jesus, not us. It's incredible. (laughs) Abraham is called in the Bible, God's friend. He became and remained God's friend because God chose him to be. But as God's friend, he pursued that friendship. And though he didn't always do everything perfectly, man, he pursued it. We are friends with Jesus because he chose to be our friend. And if you're here today and you have not yet accepted Jesus, all you have to do is believe on him. Say that Jesus is the son of God. As the Bible says, he was crucified. He rose from the dead. And follow him. Submit your life to him. Lead it how he would have you lead it. You can start that relationship today. Start that friendship today. We're going to have people on our prayer team up front as the the worship band plays our, our last song here. Come on up and talk to somebody. We would love to speak with you about that this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a relational God. You didn't just make this universe and set it spiraling off with no intention of ever talking to us or ever interacting with us, that you desire a relationship with us and your heart towards us is good. We can trust in you. We can rely on you regardless of what's happening in our lives. You are our friend to us in times of joy and in triumph and in times of heartache and loss. You are there for us. We thank you for that, God. We pray that you help us to engage with you, help us to encounter you personally, one-on-one, every day of our lives. We worship you and praise you for your goodness.